Are you interested in serving the community? Do you want to serve and give back but don't know how? Are you a nonprofit leader or staff member who wants to better understand their organization? Or are you a current board member who wants to learn to be more effective? The Board Orientation and Leadership Development Program from the Leadership Council for Nonprofits exists to build stronger, inclusive board leaders willing to serve nonprofit organizations. Our program is now recruiting for multiple classes on our website at www.leadershipcouncil.us. Apply today to make a difference in your community. Um, well, Danielle, tell us, tell us about yourself. Where do you, where do you work? What do you do? Who are yeah. you? <laughs> I'm Danielle Harris-Thompson. Uh, I work for Cal, which is uh, right downtown in Cincinnati, and I lead organizational change management for our Americas and EMEA regions. So that basically means when we're rolling out new systems or processes or changing something in the organization, my team is making sure people are ready for what's coming. So they're ready to do their job on the other side of that change. They understand what's happening. So we're really driving things like communication and training and alignment. And I've been out now for um, a year and a half. And so most of that has been right here from my desk at home. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you always done that, that work, Danielle, that kind of change management work? Yeah, that's been my career for a while. So I got my... Um, my degree in organization development from Bowling Green in 2004, and really focused on change management and org development since then. But before then I did uh, qualitative research and development, but it was still very focused on people and performance. So even though I, I would say I've been in the change management space for 15 plus years, I've been in the people performance space for my whole career. It's interesting looking at your career progression because you went from a researcher to a consultant to a yeah. now a, to now a manager, and I would imagine you're taking each one of those skill sets with you. Yeah, into really interwoven. Yeah, I actually um, I was thinking about that yesterday because I've been working on a um, a document, a, a deck that I have to review with the leadership team, and it's bringing together lots of content into this table that I'm trying to make work, and I was. I said, yeah, this is just all of my experience as a qualitative researcher. I have to like bring all these different information points into one visual. So, so it helps me day to day. And I'm, you know, internal, I'm just an internal consultant now. I'm still consulting in the same ways, just on a different scale. So they, they all work together. They all help me. Yeah. We had, we had somebody on our podcast a few weeks ago, Mike Sipple. He runs an organization called the Talent Magnet Institute. And they're very focused on people-centered leadership, holistic leadership, you know, leading yourself well, as well as, you know, leading your organizations well. And it's not every day we have somebody on the bold blog who's spent time in, in leadership development and change management. And I wonder what your perspective, Danielle, is on, on leadership. I mean, what, what does, what are, what are some, Thoughts unique to Danielle around <laughs> um, I don't know if they're very unique <laughs> to me, but um, you know, the big one for me is around servant leadership. And I learned that um, 
maybe about 10 years ago, because I worked in an organization where those leaders really were servant leaders. And it was about how do I support the people on my team? It's not so much about me putting together a strategy and everyone follow, but let's work together to figure out where we're going, how we're going to get there, and then how can I serve and support you in your goals and what you're trying to accomplish? And I think that's, it's, it's really important. I think that's a great mindset to lead from. Um, in terms of how do we work with people, how do we serve people from a leader standpoint? And um, and the other thing, I've really been spending a lot of time over the past month doing training on change leadership skills. And I mean, that is a critical, change management isn't just something that I should do as a consultant. Leaders should know how to lead their teams through change. And that's something that we've been focusing on um, with our people leaders within Cal is how do you get them ready for change. You can't always bring in someone outside of your team to lead that. And so you need to have the skills to know how to communicate and take your team through the journey. I think it's really important. You said you've been working mostly from home for, for your entire time with, with the company and there couldn't have been a more interesting time for you probably as a professional to be in the change management space than this this past year. So did you see kind of like an amplification of your your expertise that, that was needed perhaps or? Yeah, I think um, especially when we originally went into lockdown with the rest of the world in March, <laughs> there was um, a lot of like rapid fire communication because all of a sudden we had to make sure people knew how to log on to their systems, how to um, make sure we're connecting using the right web services that are approved by the organization, things that you might not care so much about before, um, how we're making sure leaders are able to keep communicating and pushing out messages in the best ways. There's um, been just lots of communication coming from a corporate standpoint that's been, I think, really good in keeping everyone aligned. But, but yeah, those first couple of months, it was really like we have an issue we need to resolve or we have something changing that people need to know about quickly because we can't just talk about it in the hallways, right? So we have to, we have to really um, push things out and be proactive about having everyone on board and knowing what's coming. So it was a really busy time. That was definitely a period of whatever I had planned for myself, we'll just have to wait because every day was like, we need to push out a communication really quickly to make sure you know people know they're not supposed to be doing this online or they know how to connect to the VPN because no one can access documents and you just you don't think about that because you go into the office every day and you log in and you're automatically connected to everything and you have what you need and now you're at home and you're like I don't even have a monitor how do I even <laughs> I, even little things you don't think about. If I'm more productive with two screens, how am I going to get another monitor? And just little things like that of sharing out. If you need equipment, here's who you contact. If you need a cell phone, if you need to connect to the VPN. So um, communication was even more critical um, during that time. When it sounds like a focus on your people, like what your people, <laughs> what your people needed and right. what was going to set them up to to help the company continue through the hard time, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the like infrastructure, of course, was a big deal for all companies, right? How do we make sure we have enough server space now that everyone's logging on from home? Um, but it was also, it also does highlight gaps in people focus and people areas when we're all working from home. Like 
Are we communicating in ways that drive clarity across our organization? Because now we've lost our typical channels. And um, do we have really sound processes? Do people still know how to work when they're not sitting next to each other? And um, do they know who to reach out to when I can't just like twirl my chair around and ask the person next to me for information? So I think all of this definitely started to highlight like gaps and other things across organizations that we needed to fill and do a better job of. You. You mentioned servant leadership, and before uh, before we were talking about your experience with AmeriCorps during college, and it's just it's evident that you know even going back to your days in college, the the mentality of service and the heart of service that you had was ha, has been ever present throughout, and you you're now serving on two boards. Yeah. So that that service continues, and I was talking with someone today. It was such a unique, a unique thought that she had. She says, "I love finding out what people's and is." So for, for you, it's you know, I'm a I'm a, you know, I work at Cal, and you serve on the boards of of two great organizations, two yes. leadership council members, Cincinnati Works and Q Kids. And tell us, uh, I think you found, we, or we found you, or you found us. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it, it was through Q Kids, you joined in June. And yeah. how did, how did we all co come together? I, I can't, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I think someone from the BOLD program met a member of our board um, who manages our programs, oh, who manages fundraising. I'm not sure exactly how they met, but I got pulled in where we were invited to send a board member to Bold. And, um, and I was, I think, the newest member of the board. And they asked if I wanted to, to do it. And frankly, it was exciting for me because I joined, as you said, I joined Q Kids and Cincinnati Works last year. And I joined them both blind. I knew nothing about what I was getting into. It's just like, absolutely, I'll join these boards. It sounds like a great learning opportunity. And now what? So being in like they sought you out. Did they, did they <laughs> um, see you out, Danielle? Or how did that happen? Um, yeah, so it was funny. Cincinnati works. I was interested in in getting involved in, in a board. I knew Peggy Zink, who's the president of Cincinnati Works, um, through my consulting work. So I hadn't worked directly with Cincinnati Works, but my last organization had. And, um, and so I met her just to get her perspective on boards. So, you know, Cincinnati Works wasn't recruiting at the time, but I knew that she would have really good insight to help me understand how I could take my skills in organizations and leadership and transfer to community work, which is, I was just trying to find a way to do that. And um, we had a really good conversation. And not long after that, I started serving on one of the committees for Cincinnati Works. So, so they weren't um, bringing on new board members and we didn't talk about that, but it was a chance for me to learn more about Cincinnati Works and, um, and contribute in some way. So I started working on the Workforce Connection Committee, which was great for me. And then after about a year, I got a call from Peggy and asked if I'd be interested in joining the board of Cincinnati Works. And um, so that was, you know, I went through that process and that conversation with them and, and that was really great. And then it was funny, my first meeting, um, 
I'm not sure if it was actually it wasn't a board meeting. My first meeting with that committee, even before I was on the board, um, one of the board members was in that meeting. He was also on the committee. And at the end of the meeting, he approached me and said, you need to call me and let's talk about Q Kids. Because mm. he was part of the Q Kids organization as well. Um, I'd never heard of Q Kids. I knew nothing about them, but um, but it was he said, you know, they need to work with people like you and to hear your story. And it's really because being a black female who's in a um, professional environments, um, that's largely the community that we serve in Q Kids, which is um, kids on Cincinnati's East End and or West End. And he thought it would be good for them just to spend time with people who, women who look like them and have different experiences. And so that's how I got involved with Q Kids. I met the founder, um, Marquisia, and, um, and then I was invited to join their board. And I started, initially, they asked for help writing um, their bylaws, which I'd never done before. <laughs> and I said, I know nothing about nonprofit bylaws, but Sure, I can, <laughs> I can do some research and figure that out. And so I spent a good bit of time just doing research on nonprofits and um, learning how to write a, a governance and bylaws document. And because there wasn't one for Q kids. And I did, um, I did that work over a couple of weeks and sent that to them and said, hey, if you need anything else, let me know. So I'm happy to support. And then I, I joined their governance committee from there and then was um, invited to join the board. So that's so my you, story. You joined Bold. It was after you had done all that research on the bylaws and everything. Yes. So after I, after I joined the Q Kids board, we got the invitation for Bold not long after that. And so I was given the opportunity to participate in Bold. Well, you've come a long way since that first conversation with Peggy. And yeah. I wonder, you, you had said that that conversation was really focused on figuring out how you could take your skill set from your career and bring it into the community space. How did, how have you felt like you've been able to do that on these boards? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I was worried about when I think about a board, I think about fundraising and um, and I would say that's not my strength. I don't, it's not a place I've ever played in or you know, I've done sales as a consultant, but it's not, it doesn't bring me joy. You know, it's not my jam to go out and ask for money. So I thought, you know, what are other ways? I know what my skills are. I know that I'm, I'm good at leadership alignment. I'm good at communication. I'm good at um, developing a strategic plan and helping people understand that plan. And is there a place for those kinds of skills on a board? And so having conversations with people really broadened my understanding of what, number one, what nonprofits offer, just learning more about nonprofit organizations, and then about being part of a board. And I'm on, I'm on two very different boards. I just want to say Cincinnati Works is you know, really an advisory governance board. Uh, QKids is a working board. We don't have employees in a Q Kids organization, so our board does all the work, and um, and so it went from you know writing the bylaws to now building out the onboarding program for our new board members, and 
that has absolutely let me take my skills from a change management standpoint, just thinking about how are we going to, you know, market our organization? What are the things that people care about? What's the story we need to tell? And how are we going to do that clearly in a way that gets people excited about the journey and, and they want to be part of it and, and they see us as a group that's like helping them navigate the change in their lives and in their world. And, you know, that's my day-to-day -day life. And I think I, I have a lot of opportunities to bring that to, to our board, um, our board activity. So that's been really good to see. That's been insightful for me to, to know that I don't have to be a chief financial officer to be an effective board member. Um, just been really great, yeah. How has it been different serving on the Seaworks board and then QKids board? We talk about it in both working boards and, and governing boards. How have, you know, I can totally see you at Q Kids with your sleeves rolled up. For the person listening that is going through bold now or will go through bold in the future and is trying to discern what type of board they want to be a part of, I mean, you're in a very unique position in that you're getting bold experiences right now. So what would you say you've learned from that? Yeah, you know, I think the um, definitely on the working board, it's rolling up your sleeves. I mean, we are both boards are busy, but for different reasons. So um, on the QKids piece, it is, as I said, we do everything from managing the finances to um, figuring out the, the cookout for the for you know our kids that are coming, what they're going to be doing for their next events, and um, building out the onboarding program for new employees to we have like a couple super talented board members who've painted the murals on the walls of the studio. So everything. And um, I think if you're going to be on a working board, which I wanted to be part of a working board because I wanted to feel like I was contributing uh, directly to the, to the organization. And you, and you definitely get that because you are doing the work of the organization as a board member. And you're also governing the organization as a board member. So there's some balance there in terms of um, how much capacity you have to give and you, you have to be available for it. I think if you're gonna be on a, on a working board, um, it goes back to that, the saying of you, you get out of it what you put into it, right? And I think it's not just showing up, but, um, but being willing to roll up your sleeves and learn how to write some bylaws if you've never done it before and spend some time, you know, Googling and learning. And on the governing board, you know, we're, we're busy. I think for that one, it can be so easy to just show up for the meetings and listen to the organization's team present their strategy and give it the thumbs up and roll off. <laughs> and which, it, which wouldn't be a good thing either because for Cincinnati Works, this one has given me really a chance to learn kind of the strategic aspects of being a board, a board member. Um, because we do spend a lot of time, the president presents back to the board on her strategic plan and her, her finances and her reasoning. And it's stepping back and taking more of a strategic view on um, what's happening within that business and deciding if that's you know the right thing, the right direction, how can we support this? Um, how can we get behind it? So it's, um, yeah, it's been a, a really great experience having both sides of, um, of the boards, yeah. When you talk about, when you talk about strategy, 
So, so a couple of thoughts, just one, the importance of bylaws. We had somebody in our last bold class, he's been a longstanding board member of an organization and it was just so, so neat because we had the Ohio attorney general in and she was talking about bylaws uh, with uh, Barker Patel from Pro Bono Partnership of Ohio. And he had never seen the bylaws of his, of his organization. And after bold, he went back to his board and his executive director and just shared, Hey, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see the bylaws. And yeah. so it just, it was a neat moment for us connecting the dots really with the purpose of the program to develop, to develop board leaders and folks that are, are interested and willing to serve, serve the community. Um, but then with the, you know, I'm intrigued, Danielle, with this strategy side. What would you say, what would you say in, in terms of the discerning the stra strategic direction of the of the board or or the strategic um the quality of the the strategic decisions the organization is making what what are some what are some lessons maybe that you could share with with folks around strategy and the the you know the board's development of that strategy like what makes a good strategy at the board level Jack, <laughs> I'm still learning that. Um, now this is actually going to be fun because I because I joined both boards last year after the strategies have been built for the year, and now we are in strategic planning mode for the upcoming years, and it's it's just really interesting for me to be part of that process from the beginning. Um, for the but I think you know one of the things that the past year has taught us is about the importance of you know like scenario planning in in building out a strategy. Like what are all the, the possibilities of things that we need to consider in our strategic plan? And no, we can't, we can't anticipate, you know, a pandemic certainly, but if we think about some of the things over the past year, even with, uh, you know, Cincinnati Works, the people we serve, they come into a, an office and they receive coaching and they receive training and education. And when we take that away, um, how do we now continue to serve our community when they are at home and may not have access to technology? Or how do we continue to support um, the employees that we're working with when we can't be on site in their buildings to talk with them? And, you know, I think that has helped us really start to think about more of a virtual aspect of what Cincinnati Works can provide and build out a whole virtual program. So even when we're outside of the pandemic, it's an opportunity from a strategic standpoint to say, what have we learned from this? What we've learned is we can support people virtually. And if we build a more intentional component of our strategy, we can reach more people because now we don't all need to be in the same space and we can provide coaching and training in new and different ways. And so think thinking ahead and some of those different you know, scenarios can be really helpful in strategic planning. And then just anticipating the needs of your community. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes back to people, right? So nonprofits exist for the communities and the people they serve. And what are the changes or anticipated changes those people might go through? And you know, whether that's gonna be from an economic standpoint, um, right now, you know, economics are gonna change based on the past year. The way we recruit and hire and retain employees 
is already changing and it will have to continue to change. Um, I was reading something recently about the fact that the rate of turnover is probably going to start to skyrocket now that we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, but it also gives us a chance to recruit more broadly now that companies realize that people really can get work done from home. And, um, and so knowing that our communities are now going to exist in those environments, how do we continue to define a journey for them and help them understand all the opportunities that exist for them now? So I think part of that strategy has to be thinking ahead of your community a little bit so we can prepare them for what's coming and, um, and give them a, a new path and a new journey to some of the opportunities that are going to be coming up for them. So I don't know, that's my top of mind thought, Jack. Yeah, that's great. And that's the kind of thought that I, that I wanted. You, it's just, it's striking how matter of fact, you, you just very plainly put it, it's about people. And, <laughs> and it's, I, I love how simple that is for you. It's not this like inspirational or, or lofty thing. It's just a matter of fact. And that's, that's really striking. Um, two, two final thoughts here. You know, one, you, you sent me uh, an article um, a, few, a few days ago about building a diverse board. Mm -hmm. And I wonder as somebody in the, you know, in the performance space, in the people space, in the organizational development space, um, you know, given the perspective that you have in, in corporate and then given the perspective you have with a board that is, is a newer organization trying to scale and then, uh, you know, a more established organization, what, it, this is something that a lot of folks are talking about right now. Yeah. Building a, building a diverse board, ensuring that there's inclusion. What are some of the things you're seeing, or what, what, what's a what's a Danielle what's another top of mind Danielle perspective? <laughs> um, that's something that really both of our boards have been focusing on is diverse recruiting, and um, and it is I think it's just a need to better reflect the communities that we serve, and I don't know that it, it's not all about necessarily skin color. So when I think about diversity, it's not that everyone looks like the community that you're serving, although that's very important and it's really what we're recruiting for um, in part, but also like what are the skills that we need to be able to provide to our community? And there are just some experiences that are going to give you certain skills that other people just won't have. And, you know, you're, some people can communicate in a certain region or town or city or community in ways that I can't, because I didn't grow up there. I can't, I can't talk about, you know, the, the nuances of what it's like to be part of, of that area. Um, and I, I think it's, it's obviously important that we do focus on diversifying our boards, but Number one, not just for the sake of diversification. I mean, there's the benefit there of there are absolutely um, funders of, of nonprofit organizations that are asking the question of how diverse is your board and putting that into their decision making. Um, and so I, I, I recognize the importance of doing that from that perspective. And but if you're going to join a board, if you think about a board, there are still the questions of, you know, when I got a call to join a board, I recognize that there is an initiative to diversify the board and I appreciate that. And I ask, 
why me? Like, why do you, what can I bring to your board? Um, what skills do you think I offer that would help you? Or what gaps do you have on the board that you think I would fill? Um, because if you just recruit and diversify for the, for the sake of diversification, now the pendulum swings that we just have a lot of people on the board who look the same way, <laughs> just in a different way, you know? but they're not, they're not serving the community in a, in a different, more diverse or interesting or helpful way. So um, yes, it's very important as long as it's driven for the right reasons and the right purpose that a more diverse board is going to bring more to the purpose, the mission of the organization um, than just having a diverse board so we can say we have one. Mm. I, I, was, I was talking with someone a few months ago and we were reflecting on how instead of the term board member, the term that used to be used was trustee. And the reason, the reason for, and in some cases, trustee is, is still used, but the power of the word trustee was that, you know, it starts with the word trust. And you're, you're really, the idea is that you're holding, as a trustee, you're holding the organization, um, you're, you're, you're holding the organization uh, in trust to the community. Um, so, so you're, as a board member, responsible for, you're responsible to the community um, for, for the success and growth of the organization. Um, I wonder, Danielle, what it means to you. You know, we didn't talk a whole lot about your bold experience, but I, I do know through our conversations, it was a, it, it was a formative experience, it seems, for yeah. you. At least you, took, you took some from that experience. And you know, what, what does it mean to you to, to, to be bold? Um, what does it mean to you to be, you know, to be a board member in this community? Yeah, um, first of all, I love the way you talk about trustee. <laughs> so that definition of it. And um, Cincinnati Works is actually, it's called the Board of Trustees. And so, but I've not thought about it in that way. So I love that. I think it brings it full circle to the whole servant leadership part. Right? Right. So we are, um, as a board and as a nonprofit organization, we are trustees of the community, you know, as you said. And so uh, I love that. Bold for me was, you know, like I said, I'd gone on these two boards completely blind, not knowing what I was getting into. And um, I think Bold made both of these roles very accessible for me. It made the whole nonprofit and board experience, um, it didn't seem so scary and so lofty. And so like, what am I getting myself into? And feeling like I couldn't contribute. So that was really great. I think I love that I learned not only about being a board member, but about why it mattered and about, you know, the purpose of a nonprofit. And so now you have passion for it. It's not just about being saying I'm on a board of directors or a board of trustees, but um, that I'm doing this for a purpose and that I have to have some connection to the mission of this nonprofit organization. And we talked about that in one of the classes, which I thought was really great. And when we're having, we're having a lot of conversations in both of the boards right now around things like diverse recruiting, um, around term limits and succession planning and onboarding new members, all things that we talked about in the BOLD program. And so, 
I'm not sitting there like ignorant to the conversation. I get why we're talking about it. I'm understanding the, the discussion I can contribute. And that's because of bold. And, you know, that was great for me. So I think um, like bold for me is not knowing what's, what's going to come and, um, and doing it anyway. <laughs> so being, being uncertain about what you're getting into, but if there's enough purpose um, and enough connection to what matters, then do it anyway. And I think bold helped me, definitely helped me do that. There's not a thing. Like for me, um, I had a purpose and a mission to find ways to support um, the community in different ways. And, and I think bold made the connection for me and helped me understand how I could do that in better ways. So I'm really appreciative of the program. It was a great experience for me. And you told us, you told us at the beginning of the program, the things you were passionate about. You said children, social justice and poverty. And yeah. I mean, as far as I can tell, it seems like you're, you're living your passion. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that a fair statement, Danielle? Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think what's interesting is um, they found me even more than I sought them out. So <laughs> the opportunities that came out, that came up were in those areas. And I, and I think it's great. Yeah, I think if you seek your passion with enough intention, it will, you'll cross paths. <laughs> it will find you, you'll cross paths. That's a quote. That is a quote for the ages. <laughs> the, if, if folks are interested, visit the Cincinnati Works website for more information at CincinnatiWorks.org and the Q Kids dance team at qkids.org. Danielle, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on today. So much fun. Thanks, Jack.